text, which was read earlier, came from the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter and the first through the eighth verse. I'll read it again so that we're all on the same page. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. Juanita Bynum sings a very beautiful song called Take Me In. I don't know if you've heard it before, but if you haven't, it's worth listening to. The lyrics of the song go a little something like this. Take me past the outer courts into the holy place. Pass the praise and altar, Lord, I long to see your face. Take me past the crowds of people and the priest who sing their praise. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but has only found one place. So take me in to the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. So take me in to the holy of holies. Take the cloth. Cleanse my lips. Here I am. I like the part where she says, cleanse my lips. Here I am. This cleansing of the lips is pivotal in our text. And I want to spend some time this afternoon uh, uh, talking about the significance of the process that brings about a cleansing of the lips and the preparation in service to God's kingdom. With this in mind, I'll be speaking today from the title, The Coal from the Altar. I've often said that um, one of the things that I love about the Roman Catholic Church is that whenever you uh, enter into their sanctuary of worship, you get a strong sense of the holiness of God. I don't know if it has ever happened to you, but you walk into a Catholic church, even if there's no one there, and you just sense this majestic presence of God inside that sanctuary. Even today, as I look at new churches and new sanctuaries that are being built by very successful ministries, there seems to me to be a drive towards new structures that look more like amphitheaters for motivational speaking as opposed to looking more like houses of worship. 
Now, I can admit that this is my own personal bias and is certainly no reflection on authenticity of those ministries. I'm simply saying that for me, sometimes I like to feel like I'm heading to church rather than to a concert. Certainly, God is bigger than my idea of what a house of worship should be like. But we seem to be moving away from the great cathedrals that speak about God before word is even uttered and making room for great concert halls. I don't know, but I still like walking into a sanctuary and feeling like I just entered into the courts of our God. In the little piece that I read from Juanita Bynum, she is describing the Lord's temple. And the temple consisted of three parts, if you don't know it already. It's got the, the outer court, it's got the inner court, and then it's got the holy of holies. The temple is designed in a such a way that it allows us to appreciate the holiness of God, but there is a process of preparation that moves you from one court into the other. The outer court is, is the place where all the people would assemble, and they would bring all of their sacrifices to the priests. The outer court is the farthest place that the people could go. There and no further. They would bring their sacrifices. And for us in this church, it's like when I ask you to bring your, your offerings, you brought your offerings up to the point of the altar and no further. Right. You didn't bring your offerings past this area and come into the pulpit. You brought your offerings and your tithe and you brought them to the priest right here. It's the same way for the people back in those days. They would bring their goats and their lambs and their sacrifices, but they bring it only as far as they could to be received by the priest. That's outer court work. The inner court represents the place where all the priests, those who were called and ordained for the service in God's kingdom and ministry, they would actually perform now the ritual sacrifices on behalf of the people. So you bring your offerings and the priest would now take it to the inner court where they now prepare the sacrifices and make offerings to God on behalf of the people. This is symbolically represented when you all came and you knelt at the altar and you prayed. And you prayed what you were praying to God. But then I came up behind you and after you've all prayed, I offered now prayers to God by the authority that God has given to me. And I was careful in my words. I said by the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ, I make intercession on behalf of the people. You brought your prayers you brought your giving, you brought your offering, you brought everything about you, and I now offered it unto a holy God. Amen. On behalf of the people, I have been ordained to do that work. That is inner court activity. But then there is the holy of holies. The holy of holies is also known as the most holy place. It is in this place that it can only be accessed once per year by the high priest. So the high priest would go into the holy of holies. So he's leaving the inner court, which they take your offering Sunday after Sunday. And we pray God, pray to God and offer it up Sunday after Sunday. But on the day of atonement, the high priest 
and only the high priest is permitted to now go into the holy of holies. Now, for those of you who are not familiar, the, 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 the robe of the high priest was very unique. At the bottom of the robe of the high priest, there were little golden bells and pomegranates. So every time the high priest would walk around, you'd hear the bell dingling, dingling. They also would tie to the high priest's foot, his ankle, a rope. And when this high priest on the Day of Atonement decides to go now and to make prayers unto a holy God, he's now making atonement for the sins of all the people. And he goes in, he's prepared himself, and he walks in, and he goes through the curtain. And when he goes in there, this, the people don't see him. But they listen. And if they don't hear those bells tinkling, it means that the priest went in in an unworthy manner. And when the bells stop, they use that rope to drag his body out. We serve a holy God. And those who come to him must first recognize his majesty and his holiness. You can't just come to God any kind of way you want. And there is always going to be a mediator between the people and God simply because we aren't worthy enough to, to see God's face. So... Juanita says, take me past the outer courts. That's what she said in the song. Take me past the outer courts into the holy place. She got some nerve singing this song. Past the praise and altar. She says, Lord, I long to see your face. Who do you think you is? She says, take me past the crowds of people and the priest who sings there. Are you hearing her song differently? She's now with the audacity to say she's going to go past the crowd, past even the priest who is singing the praise of the people. She says, take me past because she hungers and thirsts for his righteousness. But it can only be found in her song in one place. What she's looking for can only be found in one place. In other words, in her song, and I'm not taking a, making any kind of a, 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 a exegetical analysis of her, of, her, of her song. I'm simply saying she's tapped into something. When what you do inside the, the, the sanctuary doesn't quite satisfy your hunger and thirst. When you need a little bit more than just being in the pews. You need to get to the altar. You need to get to the holy place. But sometimes when you get to the holy place, it still doesn't quite satisfy your hunger and your thirst. Because she says, I, I, I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, but it can only be found in one place. And it's there now that she goes a little further. and She says, take me. Look at this, Jesse. She now says, these are her words. She now says, so. Because it can only be found in one place. She says, so. Take me into the Holy of Holies. That's only for the high priest. She says, take me into the Holy of Holies. But her, 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 her theology is correct. Because this is what she says. She says, so take me into the Holy of Holies. Take me in by the blood of the Lamb. Mm. You see, you can't approach a holy God unless you've got the blood of the Lamb. You can want more of God, 
But the way you get to the more of God is that you've got to come the right way. You can't just come any old kind of way that you think you can because God is holy and he will always be holy. So she says, take me in to the holy of holy by the blood of the lamb. She says, take me in. And she says, take the cloth. Cleanse my lips. Here I am. She captures the very sense that there is only one way that you can enter into the holy of holies, the most holy place, and that is by the blood of the Lamb. At the time of Isaiah's vision, the Bible tells us that it was the year that King Uzziah died. Now, you're not to think of Isaiah in this moment as the wise prophet that everybody knows and loves. Isaiah is a young man at this time. And what I want you to understand about what's going on here is that Isaiah is in worship like you and me. He's actually in the, think of Isaiah sitting in the sanctuary beside you right now. And as Isaiah is sitting and he's enjoying the worship, they're singing the, 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 Levitic, the, the, the Levitical priests. You can see them. They have their, their, their shofar and their trumpets. And they're singing, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, My God, that is who you are. So, so, so the priests are singing that song. You're laughing because you're like, no, they weren't. You weren't there. So they're singing, and, and in the very same way that you got caught up in the euphoria of worship, so too did Isaiah. Isaiah is, is feeling this right now. You are here, turning lives around. I worship you. I worship you. Now, I got away with that because my wife isn't here. But are you with me? So, so the very same experience you're having in worship is where Isaiah was. And Isaiah is seeing all of the, the wonderful things happening in worship and he's getting caught up. But, but what you have to understand is this is happening in the year King Uzziah died. Now everything you read in the Bible is not there just because it's nice to be there. There is a message there. King Uzziah got a little bit ahead of himself. And it's important to understand the circumstances that led King Uzziah to his death. You see, King Uzziah, as a successful king, had thought so highly of himself that as an act of what we can call arrogant presumption, he brazenly went into the temple to offer incense on the altar. This act was strictly forbidden. As I shared with you, you can't just go into God's house and think that God is not a holy God. His holiness cannot be compromised. As much as you think you're a good person, and I'm sure you are, trust me, you are not good enough to touch the holiness of God. There's a reason why the priests were consecrated and set apart for that work. You know in this church, even in the AME church, that you, the, our bishop has declared that only ordained clergy should speak from the pulpit. 
our bishop has made that declaration. Because not that people ain't, it ain't saying that we better than you or nothing like that. It's simply saying that we're acknowledging the holiness of God. So if you don't revere God's things as holy, then you don't know the God you serve. So we respect God. And so Uzziah, King Uzziah, felt like he could do the work of a priest. And so the Bible tells us that he goes now to the altar and something that the priests were consecrated to do, Uzziah now, he now goes and he, and he, he takes now a censer of incense to offer on the altar. And as he stretched out his hand, God responded, and God responded so that King Uzziah looked upon his arm, and he became a leprous king. He became now filled with leprosy, and leprosy, as you know, is, is, is an indication of uncleanness, a disgrace. It was a rejection by God to this king who had done something that he ought not do. This is how King Uzziah eventually died. And all the people were heartbroken. And you, you, know, you know how um, if you follow social media, just to give you kind of like a little sense of what's going on, when, when President Obama left the White House, is if you read, followed any social media, there was almost like a sadness that came over everyone. You remember? I remember watching on CNN, and he was in the helicopter as it flew away from the Washington DC. Y'all saw that? Did y'all see it? And it was like, wow. What are we gonna do now? And if you follow Obama on Twitter at all, every time he tweets something, right, you read the trail, it's like, come back, come back. If you ever spent the time reading it, people are like, please come back. So what I'm saying is, when you got a good king, that left, there is an emptiness that the people face. And so Isaiah is in worship. King Uzziah had died. The people felt empty. The people felt heartbroken. But they're in worship and they're praising God. Isaiah is in the courts right. worshiping. Right. And you can smell the incense from the Levitical priests as they were in the flow of worship and it was high. And as the worship reached this pinnacle point, Isaiah is caught up in this euphoria that he now sees a vision. I don't know about you, but if you've never been in a worship service where you feel like you've just completely lost yourself and you get a sense of the transcendent nature of God and you just know that you can't hold it back stomping your feet or even if you start crying or whatever it is, you, you get to that place where you know that you are in the presence of God. That was Isaiah. And the beauty of the worship experience fell so much on Isaiah that Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, and, and each one had six wings, and two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and, and one cried out to the other saying, Holy, 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 the, the, the whole earth is full of his glory, and the house started to shake. This is Isaiah's vision. Now, now, Isaiah got a glimpse of the greatness and the majesty of God. 
The smoke filling the temple. Hear me, I want you to track with me. Because we, we, we go too much to churches and we do a lot, and I'm, and I'm saying this, and, and, and we get a little bit excited, but we walk away not understanding the significance of the, of the text. The smoke filled the temple. It did not say that the smoke only filled the holy of holies. It did not say that the smoke only filled the inner court. It said the smoke filled the temple. Which means that when Isaiah saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the angels dancing around and singing, saying, holy, 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 then the smoke filled the temple, and it moved from the holy of holies through the inner court and into the outer court. So the people felt the presence of God. That's what you want in worship, where what's going on here moves out there. And the people feel this. And Isaiah is seeing this, not physically now, he's seeing it spiritually. Amen. Isaiah sees this great God. But the text then goes on to tell us that he says what? Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Here's why that's important. Remember, <laughs> Isaiah is now seeing himself inside the Holy of Holies. How we know this is because you can't see the king on the throne if he ain't in the Holy of Holies. So Isaiah is like, what on earth or heaven am I doing in here? I have not been consecrated as a priest. I have not been authorized by God to be in his most holy place. And oh, by the way, I'm in the year that King Uzziah died for being where he ain't got no business being. So Isaiah now is saying to himself, I don't belong here. Oh, my Lord. Oh, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for my eyes have seen the Lord of hosts and Isaiah falls to his knees prostrate ready to give up himself when you understand God and the holiness of God and you have transgressed the laws and of the God what you are doing is you're putting yourself in mortal danger I don't know how many of you remember Uzzah when the, 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 the Israelites were carrying the Ark of the Covenant and, and, and they, they thought that it might, would be a good idea to take the Ark of the Covenant of God, put it on a cart, and let ox carry it. So the ox were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And they're all singing and dancing and having a good time. The Bible tells us that as they were carrying the ark on the cart, the cart stumbled. And Uzzah wanted to be so wanted to help out God. Put his hand to catch the ark to prevent it from falling. Just like that, Uzzah was. Lightning, he's gone. It angered David so much that the thing they had to do, David didn't even want the ark anymore after that. The ark was designed, now let me show you. 
We have it up on this thing here. There's the Ark of the Covenant. You see the staves, these poles. The Ark was designed to be carried by the priest using those poles. God didn't tell you to carry it on no oxen cart. Believe me when I tell you, when God tells you to do something, there's a reason behind it. Do things God's way, not your way, not what you think is more efficient. God is not interested in efficiency. God is interested in obedience. And obedience is better than sacrifice. And if you fall out of God's grace in disobedience, the sacrifice will be you. So after that moment, the priests started carrying the ark with the sticks and with the staves. You must understand, church, that God is holy. Everything about God is holy. But as I hurry along, then, so Isaiah decides, I shouldn't be here. And Isaiah is prepared to die. Isaiah realizes that he has desecrated and profaned not just the altar of God and the temple of God, but he has done it in the heavenly realms. He receives this as a sign that what happened to King Uzziah is now going to be his lot and his fate. You can appreciate Isaiah's concern and why he would cry out. But the Bible tells us, because in the midst of all the stories we read in the Bible, you must look for the grace of God. The Bible tells us that the angel, one of the seraphims, flew now with a coal that was taken off of the altar. And they brought this coal and they touched the lips of Isaiah. And when it touched Isaiah's lips, it says, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. You see, the altar has a burning coal. Now, here's what you must understand. The text is clear. It did not say coals. Coal. There's only one coal. Now, going back, to, going back to the high priest. When the high priest goes into the temple, into the inner court, it is the high priest who prepares the altar for sacrifice. The altar is there and it's lit and it's burning. Only the high priest prepares that altar. Why is that important? Well, because when Isaiah saw the king high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, Isaiah saw God as the high priest. See? He's imagining and seeing God as the same high priest who would go into the Holy of Holies and to prepare. If only the high priest is allowed to prepare the altar. That would explain why the seraphim took the coal off of the altar with tongs. You see, the angelic beings, if you read more in the scriptures, they're actually like fiery beings. So fire can touch fire, but they had to take the coal, the coal, the coal off of the altar with tongs. Which says to me that how do coal got on the altar was because the high priest was the one who put it there. So God himself, the Father, prepared this coal on this burning altar, which had now the power to do something really important. Watch. The angel laid it upon 
I don't know about you, but I don't know of any coal, hot or cold, <laughs> that can take away sin and iniquity. But there is a particular coal that was on the altar of sacrifice. And it went there because God the Father placed it there. And this particular call is the only call that can take away the sin of the world. So when the angel took the call off the fire, it was actually a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, Messiah himself, who was now being offered to sinful man and saying, now that I've placed my word in you, you are now purged of sin. The call is Christ. And the thing that I love about this is that when you have been purged, the text says, Isaiah now heard the voice of the Lord. <laughs> when Jesus has purged you, when Jesus has burned your spirit with the need for salvation, you are now ready to hear the voice of God. And when you hear the word of the Lord, there's only one response. Who shall go for us? Hear, Lord. Send me. Send me. Send me. Sacrifice me, me, Lord. I want you to understand, brothers and sisters, that we serve a God that has deposited in you something that the world needs. And the truth of the matter is, the call from the altar was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That burning all coal came from the altar of God upon which the sacrifice. So when Jesus hung on that cross for you and for me and shed his blood on Calvary's tree, he was the burning coal from the altar of God himself that was being now prepared for you. And you can't help but cry, oh, woe is me. When you come to the place of recognizing your own sinful nature, your own need for a savior, then you are ready to deal with the burning coal from the altar. God is looking for a few people that are willing to humble themselves enough in worship to be willing enough to put aside the things of this world and to say, Lord, I long to see your face and say, Lord, so take me into the holy of holies. Take me in by the blood of the lamb. Take me in to the holy of holies. Take the cloth. Cleanse my lips. Here I am. And I'll close with this one thought. When Jesus gave up the ghost on the cross, the Bible tells us clearly that the veil of the temple was ripped from top to bottom. 
when the veil of the temple was ripped, it opened up the Holy of Holies. And the power of the Holy Spirit moved from inside the most holy place through the inner court and into the outer court. Jesus Christ was the way maker. He opened the way that you and I can move from the outer court into the inner court of his loving embrace. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ and it is there for all to take. Amen?